So without further ado, please welcome Carmen to the stage for our final week. We are the champions. Week four of the do-over. Paul finishes his letter with a punch of faith. You guys may be seated. Thank you so much. He finishes. You may be seated too. Yes, absolutely. I won't have you standing for 20 minutes either. Paul finishes his letter with a punch. He is encouraging believers to walk in victory in Christ. Well, let's pray this morning before we begin. Lord, we thank you for our do-over made available to us in Christ Jesus. God, thank you that you loved us so much. You created a way for us to have a second chance at life and a relationship with you. We are full of praise and thankfulness to you for our new identity, our new family, our new behaviours and our new victory. Thank you that in your strength and in your spirit we are champions and can live victorious, successful lives in Christ and because of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, Every week uh, of this series, I've used the prayer at the beginning of the message to um, illustrate our do-over like a home renovation, like a home do-over. But this week, it was just getting too long and uh, (laughs) I thought long prayers are just not what we do here. (laughs) We don't want you to snooze off. So I thought we'd use that to recap every week. Does that sound good? Yes. So let's do that. So when we give our home a do-over, we clear out all the old furniture and we wash down the walls and we prepare to clean and paint. We put down the drop sheets and we put up the plastic, you know, and and we put a fresh coat of paint on. In the same way, through Jesus Christ, God gives us a second chance, a clean slate, In Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5, Paul says that in Christ we are loved and chosen and it's a plan God put into motion from the beginning of creation as Cody so well said this morning. As followers of Christ, this forms our new identity. But a home reno is almost impossible to do without help. Isn't that right? David knows that for sure. We invite our friends, our family, our neighbours in to support us and help us achieve the task at hand. And similarly, God has designed us to walk our journey of faith, our new identity, hand in hand with fellow believers. We are adopted by God into his new family, full of his children. You know, we are a diverse group in every sense of the word, but our love for Christ unites us. We have a family called the church where we belong and we shine as a light for God in a dark world. 
And then when we give our house a do-over, it's truly evident when we have some new furniture and decor. George, if she was here, would say, Amen. We take our time developing a colour and design theme. We save up our pennies and step by step, we add to our new scheme. And when we compare that to our journey with Jesus, we adopt new behaviours that truly identify us as his followers. Our new identity and our, our new sense of belonging, or in other words, our change of heart, is made evident by an outward change. God loves us too much to let us stay the same and he wants us to live our best life. And and finally, a home reno is complete when the gates and the fences are all fixed and working properly, the alarm system is put in, the smoke detectors are working and generally the outward appearance of the home makes it look like a winner. This house will sell, it'll do well on the market. And, and in our do-over, God wants us to be total champions. Jesus redefines for us what it means to be successful and victorious in life. And in our lives, that means choosing to let God's Spirit fill us and strengthen us and empower us as we journey with Jesus. And this is the final part of our do-over, a new victory. Can everyone say, we are the champions? Turn to your neighbour and say, you are a champion. It's true. It's true. No longer will it be a throwaway line like, oh man, you're a champ. It's true. It's true. Our main scripture for today is Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 and 11. And they read a final word. So Paul is like, right, here we go. Final word. This is it, people. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Here we go. I'm going to invite Jord up now just to read that whole section about God's armour because it is powerful. Thanks, Jord. Thank you. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armour, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Thanks, Jord. Wow. Wow. What a way to finish a letter. 
Amazing. I love that the Paul says after the battle, you will still be standing strong. He doesn't say, oh, I might battle might come along, you know, and you better be prepared. No, Paul's saying, you know, there will be, there will be battles to face. But when you trust in God and you stand in his strength and his mighty power, you will still be standing strong. Strong after the battle, not like, oh, we will be standing strong. We'll be standing strong. And we are marked with that strength. And we will delve into each piece of that armour soon, but I just want to share a few key thoughts with you first, that spiritual warfare is real. We, there is a devil, he is real, and he is a very real and vicious enemy. Secondly, that God is victorious. We are strengthened by his spirit to live victoriously and conquer in life. And thirdly, the armour is protection, not just for defence, but for attack. So the devil is real and our spiritual battle, it's not a battle with flesh and blood, it is a spiritual battle. And and these words are powerful because Paul has been building up to this message throughout the letter. It is not sort of some random tack on as we sometimes think. He's been praying powerful prayers and reminding believers of God's ultimate authority right throughout Ephesians. As I said, Paul wants us to know that the fight is not against flesh and blood. Our battles are not about or against people, even though they feel like it. The real enemy is that nasty devil. In John 10.10, Jesus says the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. These final words of Paul's letter aren't meant to put fear in us, but spur us into action. As believers, we are to suit up and stand strong. Putting on the armour of God is vital in our ability to walk victoriously in Christ. So the devil is real and the battle is spiritual. But secondly, we are victorious in his strength, in God's strength. God doesn't expect us or want us to find a power within ourselves, sort of muster up those last pieces of open strength that we're clinging to, to overcome the battles we face. No, our journey with Jesus is walked in his strength. Paul says to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. We, as we sang this morning, we lean on him. You know, we walk, can walk victoriously because we know that God has already secured our victory. So we, we battle from a place of victory, not for a place of victory. So in Colossians 2 verses 13 and 15, Paul writes, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them 
on the cross. So that's, that's where our victory comes from. That place, that death, that resurrection, Jesus. In, uh, in verse 5, uh, Christian author Lisa Tukerst writes this and it sums this up beautifully. The activation of our strength comes from the empowerment of the Spirit of God. We receive his strength as we put on the full armour of the King of Kings. And in wearing God's armour, we are in essence putting on or abiding in God himself. We are clothing ourselves in victory he has already achieved in Christ. So we are victorious in his strength. So good. And thirdly, this armour is for protection. And it's not just for defence, but it's for attack as well. So again, we see Paul using this imagery of clothing ourselves in Christ. Last week, we talked about putting on Christ, like putting on new clothes. And, you know, you don't have to wear the beautiful array of pink and purple and turquoise that I put on. But hey, you remember it, right? <laughs> That's the thing. It's memorable. But we, we put on Christ like putting on new clothes. And this armour is like the outer layer of the clothing. It's like the protective layer. The devil doesn't like the fact that we've had a do-over. And he doesn't want us living victoriously in our new identity, our new family or our new behaviours. Neither does he want the church to be strengthened and grow, nor others to receive salvation and a chance at a do-over. Paul says we've got to protect ourselves, to stand firm and to fight in prayer. Our armour is for defence and attack. So Paul draws on this imagery of the armour from the Roman soldiers of the time. The Ephesians knew the Roman military very well and they knew that every piece of armour had a specific purpose. And it was not just to protect the individual soldier but the army as a whole. Paul is also uh, drawing reference um, from the book of Isaiah. The armour worn by God. Isaiah prophesies that the, the image of God as a warrior, where Jesus is fully dressed for battle as he goes out to restore and redeem his people. So we have two images here. And, and in this way, I see that the armour of God has three purposes in our do-over. First of all, it's for you and me individually. As soldiers, the devil wants to compromise my new identity. He doesn't want me to believe the truth that I'm loved and chosen. Nor does the devil want me to put on new behaviours that represent outwardly the change of my heart. He might attempt to fill my heart and mind with doubt and lies. But we need the armour of God to stand strong and protect the truth of my new identity, of your new identity. Then, secondly, for you and me as a family, united believers as the army, the church. The devil wants to undermine the unity of Jesus' followers 
to break up my new family. The devil wants to divide and conquer. You know, I read this really interesting fact when I was researching the Roman soldiers and their armour. And one source said that the soldiers had to help each other put on their armour. They couldn't do it by themselves. They had to help each other, each piece. They had to help one another. And, and, in, and, in, and in that way, we prepare each other for our spiritual battle. We help each other suit up and we stand together and we fight. You know, Mason and I experienced that for ourselves this week. We've um, had a bit of a bad run of sickness in our home and um, our son Toby, who's three and a half, was really, really ill this week. Um, we were almost in hospital a couple of times and he's lost a couple of kilos and um, there were some scary moments there. But, but God, but my family, you know, my beautiful friend Cara just went, right, that's enough. Threw her arms up and said, everyone's going to start praying. So she gathered our connect group and said, come on, let's pray. Let's believe. And every step of the way, every day, I knew that people were praying for us and believing for us and fighting the spiritual battle on our behalf. And it's amazing. It's amazing. We are not alone. We're an army doing battle together. And thirdly, we are representatives of Christ in a dark world, an army going out to battle. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, go out into all the world and make disciples. We are in a battle for souls. We are Jesus wearing his armour, doing our part to restore and redeem his people. It means we are praying doing spiritual battle for those we are praying for, our plus ones as we call them. We are being Jesus to our friends and family in word and in deed. We are living victoriously and drawing people to Jesus. And the devil hates this. So we wear our protective armour for defence and for attack. Everyone say, we are the champions. We're going somewhere with this. So here we go, putting on this armour, every single piece. So practically, Paul means for believers to start to form habits. Practically using prayer, the scriptures and our relationships with each other to help us grow and mature as followers of Jesus. Um, We're just going to throw attention to the screen in a minute and uh, watch an illustration by J. John. He's an Anglican minister and he is is a powerful communicator. And in this short clip, he's going to honestly and humorously talk about this armour. So let's check out this clip from Presence Conference 2014. Do you know when I get dressed, I do this. I do this almost subconsciously. Well, in fact, it all starts in the shower. I'm in the shower, and the shower's like this, and I love the shower in the hotel because it's one of those, you know, one at the top, and it's like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like, Jesus, Jesus. I'm like that. Killy's like, occasionally she opens the door, are you all right? Are you all right? 
And I'm like, oh, Lord, Lord, spirit, spirit, yeah. And I'm like, you know, I'm just letting out. I say, yeah, yeah, in the shower, in the shower, in the shower. And I get up, I get out, get all dry. And then when I get dressed, I'm like this. I go, I put the belt on, I go, yeah, yeah, belt of truth. <laughs> and then I put the helmet of salvation on. Do you know, there's so many people who are dissecting the helmet of salvation and they're dissecting it. Ah, what do you mean? What do you mean? And while they're dissecting it, the devil gets in their heads. (laughs) Put it on. Breastplate of righteousness, put it on. Good news of peace, yeah, yeah, put them on. Yeah, shield of faith, shield of faith, the sword of the word. I tell you, when you put and you've done that, you're like, come on. Come on. Every, every morning, come on. I love that. The devil gets in their heads. Put it on. You know, we don't carry a helmet around just waiting. You know, it looks pretty. We've got to put it on. Every piece of armour has a po- has a purpose. Has a purpose. So let's go head to toe. Sorry, I couldn't resist. My life is making ordinary speech fun. I make everything into song and rhyme. So, um, Jazz, could you put up those images for us, please? So here we go. We've got the the spiritual armour, and then we've got the Roman Roman armour. Here we go. The helmet of salvation. Put on salvation as your helmet. When I was doing my research, the the helmet apparently identified a soldier's allegiance. So when we put on that helmet of salvation, we are declaring to the devil that we belong to Jesus. You know, this Roman helmet was designed to protect the whole head so no part would be exposed. The enemy wants us to doubt God and Jesus, our salvation, the whole shebang. The the helmet of salvation protects our minds and reminds us that God's ultimate desire is for us to have a good relationship with him and also that our good God will bring good out of the battle. Can we just remember not to put Brendan and Ben next to each other ever again? I'm having flashbacks to high school. That's good. No, I gave Brendan permission to heckle last week and he's taking me on my word. (laughs) It's all good, guys. The breastplate of righteousness, put it on. The body armour of God's righteousness. So this armour was designed to protect against long range, so the fiery arrows and close combat, so swords, so both types of attack. The truth of our right standing with God through Christ will endure all types of attack and strategies of the devil. The breastplate or or body armour protects our heart and the truth it now knows. I am forgiven and I am accepted by faith. It equips us to stop reacting in the flesh and instead choose to battle with our praises 
and our prayers. And Paul was all about this kind of battle. And we're going to revisit that a bit later on. You know, I was, uh, before I go any further, I just want to say I was, as I was writing this, this part of the message, God started knocking on my heart and he gave me some words of encouragement and prophecy for people this morning. And you have to forgive me because I had to write them down so I didn't forget because um, I've got a few little people in my world and I've got a leaky brain, so he's have to <laughs> forgive me. Whew. So the belt of truth, belt of truth. We'll never forget that. <laughs> J. John, put it on. This belt was made of leather. It was strong and often decorated with, with studs or precious stones. It was used to sheath the sword, so it held that sword in place. The belt of truth is strong and beautiful and it holds our sword, the word of God, in pride of place. So when the battle is raging, the truth, the belt of truth grounds us and it protects our will. It assures us that God loves us, has chosen us and has adopted us as his own. Fricky, you're going to have to take this to Talia for me. And it's really for both of you. I really felt God say um, to let this truth ground you and hold you in place. God loves you and he has chosen you and he has adopted you as his own. So when the battle is raging all around you, you've got to hold fast to that truth. And I know you guys do, but he's going to take you to another level, another level of understanding of the power of his truth and he's going to ground you. God is saying there is only one truth you need to worry about and it's his and there are a lot of truths out there, but his is the only one that matters. Let it ground you, both of you. Awesome. Here we go. The sword of the Spirit. You know, I was doing a lot of reading and, and um, a lot of authors reflecting that in, um, it's tempting to think of this, the armour of God in sort of a Sunday school context where you're gutting out the felt pieces and you may even get the plastic armour and the sword, the plastic sword, get the kids all excited and it may seem wishy-washy and that's exactly how the devil wants us to see it. That's exactly how the devil wants us to see it. I'm not saying that we don't teach our kids about that. We've got to be careful to do it in a powerful way. But the God, God would have us think that it's just some plastic, flippy, floppy, wishy-washy stuff. It's not. This is the sword of the Spirit. Paul says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Roman soldiers had two swords, a longer and a shorter one. Here I am convinced Paul is referring to the shorter sword known as the gladius. It was a short two-sided sword and was the primary weapon in close combat. It was a complex creation and was both strong and flexible. It was made with several harder steels for the outer layers and a softer steel for the centre. And what does Hebrews 4.12 tell us? The Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than 
the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Amazing. Lucy, where are you? There you are. God is going to take you on a journey beyond knowledge of the Word of God. That's what I felt him saying to me, beyond knowledge, using the Word of God as a weapon. He would take you step by step on a journey to learn, to discern a situation for what it really truly is and exactly how to fight it with specific scripture. You have to commit to the process. Awesome. You can do it. You're made for it. Now the shield of faith, actually this way, held in the left, you're right. Should I do it opposite? No, I'll just, I'll just confuse myself. This shield of faith. So Paul says, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. So this shield was made of several layers of wood attached with a piece of leather stretched over it to protect it from, from water damage, so from warping and separating. It provided protection to the left so the soldier could thrust his gladius with his right. The, the shield was a valuable defence against a range of weapons and up close it could also be used as a weapon itself. That beautiful metal stud there was not just for decoration. That could knock someone out. So this shield of faith is strong when we are not. It is weighted, we are secure in our faith and it covers us from all sorts of enemy attacks. It doesn't leak or warp when the devil tries to wash away our hope. It protects us and allows us to cling to hope in Christ. When the enemy attacks with insults, setbacks, temptation, the shield of faith allows us to block and deflect the lies. It gives us the ability to stand strong and trust in God's timing and in his ways. Jars and Ash, I know Ash is in C3 Kids, so we'll have to tell her about this. I feel like you two are sometimes advancing. You're pushing through rows of enemy soldiers. There's attack after attack, using the shield as a weapon. But I feel God say sometimes it's okay. It's okay just to bend down, put your shield in the ground and just let the fiery arrows wash over you. And God says both are okay. Both are just standing in faith. They're still standing in faith, that defence and that attack stance. And as long as you're holding up that shield of faith, you know, and you're believing in him to produce the answers in his ways and in his timing. That's what I felt God say. And, you know, if any of these words are speaking to your heart today, chances are they are for you too. So take them, take them for yourself. The shoes, the gospel of peace. So for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news that you will be fully prepared. So the Roman soldier's footwear looks a lot like pretty little sandals, doesn't it? It doesn't help that we've, us ladies in the last few years have uh, adopted you know, gladiator-style sandals. So 
our imagery is a little bit warped. They were actually heavy marching boots and they were designed like sandals for a specific reason. So they were made of leather with a really heavy sole and they were cut from a single animal hide. The sandal was designed to allow air to circulate around the feet to reduce risk of blisters during marching. And these guys marched a lot. So for us personally, the gospel brings assurance and peace. We can know that even when we can't see things changing, God is working on our behalf. It may seem light and airy at times, but this gospel is solid and it is sturdy. As a soldier, we need to be available and ready, ready to put on these shoes of peace, ready to spread the good news about Christ. The enemy wants us to think that telling others about the gospel is a worthless and a hopeless task. And shoes and feet may be smelly and disgusting, but God says they are beautiful. They are beautiful because they carry the good news of peace. And we see that in Isaiah 52 verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the good news that the God of Israel reigns. These feet are beautiful. For Dylan, never talk to the preacher in the middle of her series about what you've learned. You know, you were saying to me last week that this has really impacted you and this place is your home and you're excited and all you want to do is tell people about this place to feel this joy, to feel this hope. And God says, you're going to put those big feet to good use. You are, you are spreading that gospel of peace. He says, don't believe the devil. That, he, that it's a worthless and hopeless task. He will try to put those doubts in your mind. But God says, wherever you put those feet, you are taking that gospel message, that good news of peace. Never let that passion die. He says, you're built for it. You're made for it. That's your task. That's your task. Keep treading his path. So good. Those big feet are going to make an impact on people's lives. Absolutely. And finally, last but not least, the power of prayer. So Paul says, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Prayer is a gift. Prayer is our ability to just talk to God. Prayer is the very thing God's most courageous followers turn to first. And if you don't know what to pray, take a leaf out of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Pray heartfelt, selfless, powerful and fierce prayers. I just want to finish with with two words of encouragement for people. For Kara. God is going to show you how to pray like a true warrior. In your prayers, the battles will be fought and won before a deed is done or a word is spoken. God will bring before you seemingly hopeless situations and as you pray, you will see shifts. You will show other people how to do the same. 
prayer will be your first resort. As soon as the devil starts to attack, as soon as you start to doubt and fear, you will turn first to prayer. And it won't just be in that war room at night that you will pray. God is going to show you how to pray in the moment. He's going to show you how to pray specific prayers that cut that devil off at the pass. Awesome. He will. And Jane, my beautiful Jane. Jane is very special to me. Sorry. I knew I would cry. I had to, I had to save it till the last one. Jane, God is not done with you yet, girl. He says it's time to suit up. I was going to say that in a really powerful, convincing voice, but it's all wavering. He says it's time to suit up. He has powerful prayers for you to pray. You are not done influencing a generation. You are like a mother to us, to, to Ashley and I, to, to Jord, to, to Ben and Kirsty. You are like a mother for us and, and praying for us and clearing a path for us. And I felt God say that he's going to make you like a grandmother to the children today. You will battle for them in prayer. You will stand in the gap and fight for their salvation, for their healing, for their dreams and for their future. You'll carve out a path for them in prayer. He's going to show you what to pray and how to pray it. You will see significant shifts in the lives of the children you pray for. And it won't just be in C3 Kids. It'll, it'll be in your own family too. And it will impact their lives. Awesome. Awesome. I encourage you. Every day, like Jay John says, put it on. Starting the shower, going, God, fill me. Fill me. You may think that's a little bit silly. But however it works for you, ask God to fill you. Ask God to fill you. Put on every piece of armour mindfully, from head to toe. Awesome. You know, actually, Joel, can I get you up now? Sorry. My tears have, tears have made my brain muddled. Hey, you've got to expect it when you have a lady preaching. It's just how it is. Although my husband likes to cry a lot. Didn't cry on our wedding day. Didn't cry really when the children were born. But up here, Spirit of God, hey? The Spirit of God. If you want to walk in victory, if you want God to be your success, then you need a relationship with Jesus to journey your life with Him. And all you have to do to start this relationship is to pray a simple prayer. And, and every week in this place, we give people that opportunity. It's not weird, but it is powerful. It is the start of your do-over. 
a new identity, a new family, new behaviours and a new victory. God wants you to know how much he loves you. And in Christ, let that redefine your life. You know, in this prayer, we ask God to forgive us of our sins. We accept Jesus as our Lord and our Saviour. And then we thank him for our second chance. It marks the beginning of our journey with Jesus. So if you are here today and you've never prayed a prayer like this one and you'd like to, we'd love to pray that with you today. Likewise, if you once believed in Jesus, but you don't feel like you identify as a follower of Christ now, then we would love you to pray this prayer too. So in a moment, we're all going to close our eyes. And if you would like this to pray this prayer, I'll ask you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it. I'll ask you to put it down. And then we'll pray together as a church right where you are in your seat. And then after the service, one of our team would love to come and chat with you. So let's do that right now. Let's take a moment, just close our eyes. A moment between you and God. A moment between you and God. Thank you, Lord. So if you are here today and you've never prayed a prayer like that one, or you once did, but you're not following Jesus right now and you'd like to reignite that relationship. If you're in either one of those places this morning, I'd invite you to raise your hand right now if you want to pray that prayer. Thank you, Lord. Awesome. Awesome, church. Why don't you just stand with me? I'm going to invite the the band to come up now. Awesome. Now, in my first message... I spoke about the transformation of Paul and how his life was turned from death and destruction to praise, to praise and to thankfulness because God saved him and made him completely new. And this morning, we are going to praise from a place of victory. Put on that that breastplate, that body armour and turn as, as Paul writes in Philippians, shape our worries into prayer and to praise. We're going to clothe ourselves in His strength. We're going to sing and we're going to declare that Jesus has made us new, that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. He renews our strength. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. We are going to put on that breastplate of righteousness, that body armour that says I'm in right standing with God. Nothing, no weapon of the enemy will conquer me. Nothing the devil throws my way is going to to turn me off path. We're going to sing and we're going to praise and we're going to declare that God is our strength.